You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2022. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy, simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching, we are talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. Welcome to today's episode. As always, such a joy to have you with me to share some time together and talk about what it feels like to be Jewish in 22. Um, Today's episode is especially relevant. I'm sitting down with the Jewish advocate and educator Amy Albertson to chat all about Amy's experiences as a Chinese American Jewish woman and her work to empower all Jews to own their Jewish identities with no apologies. Um, Amy's such a passionate voice, in particular for ending gatekeeping within the Jewish community, which really rears its ugly head too often. Um, We talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about um, the diversity of the Jewish world and how that's something we need to celebrate rather than uh, be fearful of. It's such a great conversation. Um, Amy has such a passion for making space for all of us to live our own best Jewish lives our way and I know it's going to fill you with hope for the Jewish future. I'd love to get you in on the conversation as well. Drop me a DM at your Jewish life on Instagram. Take a screenshot, DM me, join the conversation and let me hear your voice as well. Let's dive right into the episode. Welcome Amy, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you Karen. Oh, it's so great to meet you. You know, we, like so many of my uh, connections through your Jewish life, we met on Instagram, which is one of the hottest places to meet really interesting Jewish people, don't you think? (laughs) I love it. I have so many really great friends from Instagram, and some of them have become friends in real life. So that's, I think it's a great place to make community. Well, that's the next step for us. We're still at, we're still at stage one. We still haven't met yes. in our life, but hopefully one day, hopefully one day. So I connected, well, I, I, I gravitated towards you and what you do through your individuality, you know, and I think that's something that I try to, to put across as well, like be Jewish, have all the traditions, but make it your own. And you really stand for that sort of individuality and unapologetically who you are. You're, you weren't born to blend in, I feel. Is that a correct assumption? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's kind of funny because my name is Amy, which I always tell my parents, like my brother and I are named Amy and Tim, and I always joke with my parents, we have such basic names, but we are not basic people. And it's just a funny joke because how can you know that when your baby is just born? But yeah, definitely um, I never, I don't know if I was born to be this way or I just happened to become this way, but I have always been kind of marching to the beat of my own drum, I guess you could say. And a lot of my background and experiences have led me to this kind of view of being Jewish really is personal as much as it is part of the collective and that we really can do things how they feel correctly for us. 
and that we're allowed to evolve it you know we don't need to gatekeep it to it to be exactly as it was or exactly as it is it's an evolving live thing that we are responsible for moving forward to make it relevant and to, to, to have it fit into into our modern lives 100 percent. judaism has always been inherently progressive based on our people's circumstances so you know to decide at some point that we're just gonna stop it being that way really doesn't make sense to me um but i think that we'll get into that more we will get into that i actually want to start at the beginning because i feel like i've got to know you a bit through Instagram in your life now, but I would love to understand Amy, you know, from the beginning. So tell me, how did Judaism play a role in your life growing up? Um, Sure. So yeah, my story is certainly unorthodox, as some people like to call it. Um, I grew up in a mixed family. My father is pretty average Ashkenazi guy, grew up in the Valley in California. And my Um, You know, my grandparents are from Brooklyn and before that Eastern Europe. And my mom's side is Chinese American. Um, Both of my parents are Californian and my mom is not Jewish. And I grew up just in a very, I guess what people call secular household, but it's, it wasn't even so much like a conscious choice to be secular. My parents are just very kind of open and let me and my brother explore basically anything we wanted to explore. And so Judaism, or I don't usually like to use the word Judaism personally, I like to use Jewishness because Judaism to me is much more religious, but my Jewishness, it was very loosely defined. I definitely grew up doing holidays like Hanukkah and Passover, but everything we did was a bit unique because of my grandma. So my my paternal grandma, she is our Jewish matriarch basically, and she's also, she lives in Berkeley and she's, you know, self-proclaimed atheist Jewish woman, but being Jewish has really always been important to her. And a lot of things she does are very Jewish, so to speak. And so we always did holidays a little bit different. Like we didn't use a Haggadah for Passover. We read this other book that told the story, Um, but everything was really the core of like your family and sharing the stories and kind of knowing this history of who we are. And my parents just let me kind of choose whatever I wanted. I went to Catholic high school and that was for academic choices. And in Catholic high school is where I actually started to learn about religion, including uh, we had to learn Old Testament and we had to learn about world religions. And that's when I was like, well, wait a second, I have these Jewish roots and I'm starting to get more curious about faith and spirituality and also just like, what does that mean? So that's when I really started to identify more. I, I always identified as half Chinese and half Jewish, even though I didn't really even know what it meant. And I also didn't learn that because my mother isn't Jewish, that I wasn't halakhically Jewish or that I wouldn't be accepted as Jewish for a lot of people. Um, and that's something I didn't learn until college. So really, to sum it all up, <laughs> Judaism or Jewishness for me growing up was just another part of my cultural makeup as much as I was Chinese American. And it wasn't something that I really started to explore until later in life when I was basically an adult. That's really interesting. So it was it was always there it was always a big part of your identity and you didn't sort of care to examine it or whatever in your childhood you never were made to feel othered is that right or um you you, did you feel excluded as a jew or as a non-jew or anything like that in your childhood or it's just a part of your cultural makeup as you as you said Uh, well so i i grew up in an environment that was kind of like 
a blessing and a curse at the same time for my identity because I grew up in a mixed family in a very diverse place in California and being in a mixed family was not rare at all. So I never even thought to, like you said, I didn't examine it. It's because I never thought that I needed to examine it, right? Everyone it's around me is like, oh, yeah. what are you? Sounds like I'm a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it honestly, so it's great in the fact that I grew up in these different identities and was able to just like be a human and people around me, you know, my peers, if you ask them, what are you? They'll answer all different kinds of things. Lots of Asian people, but not just Asian people, but mixed people and mixed Asian people. So when I would tell someone like, oh, I'm half Chinese and half Jewish, a term that I no longer use, yeah. um, I didn't think twice about it. And because I didn't grow up around hardly any Jewish people, at least not that I knew of, no one ever told me, really, you're not Jewish. Occasionally someone, but they were all non-Jews, would be like, well, do you go to synagogue? And I was like, no, I've never been to synagogue. And they would tell me, well, then you're not really Jewish. And even though I didn't exactly know why that was wrong and I couldn't give them the proper rebuttal at the time, I knew that that was not correct. So, you know, I just kind of was like, well, whatever, like you don't even know what you're talking about. Absolutely. So then what happened when you went to college? So college was where I went from zero to super Jewish in 60 seconds, you could say. I it started with Hillel. I, you know, in in high school I already started having that curiosity. And then not that my parents wouldn't let me go to Jewish things. It's just kind of like it was pre, you know, iPhones had just been invented. It wasn't like I could just Google Jewish stuff as a child independently and things like this. So college was where I really made that like conscious personal choice to seek out learning more. It started at Hillel on campus and i went to a shabbat dinner which turned into making lots of jewish friends who became my best friends which turned into me becoming the vice president of hillel and then starting the israel group and then the president of hillel and um and facing lots of anti-israel and anti-semitism on campus and things like this which we can talk about more in depth but that's where i really started to explore being Jewish. I also met with different rabbis in Portland, which is where I went to college. I went to Portland State University and I met with different rabbis in Portland until I found one that I liked. And then I started getting really involved with the synagogue and I started learning and I started working with the youth advisor, which is how I learned a lot because I was learning with the children that I was running programming for. And what changed? Like what 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 do you think happened at college that you just dove right in and felt this felt good, you know, to be all in on being Jewish rather than, as you said, in your childhood and teens, it was more a strand, it was part of who you were, but not but not your kind of all in. What 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 do you think was going on at college? Were well, you- I think yeah, sure. So well, one thing I think that happened is, you know, even in the face of people telling me when I was younger, oh, you're not really Jewish or saying something that I now know is or saying something that I now know was anti-Semitic or, you know, slightly anti-Semitic or questionable. I always felt something that inside that was like, ooh, like that stings or like, oh, that's not right or um, or these kinds of things. Right. So I always felt Jewish. And I think this is something that a lot of people experience, at least, you know, people message me all the time on Instagram saying they felt the same thing. But 
it's this uncontrollable magnetism or something it's really hard to describe so once i went to college and i decided to put myself in a jewish environment which was very scary by the way um but once i decided to put myself in that jewish environment and i was surrounded by other jewish people even though my experience is certainly not the same as theirs and was certainly not the same as theirs there were just so many things that that was like oh these are my people you know even basic things like <laughs> one example that i use a lot is like i've always grown up with like skin conditions like oh eczema you all have eczema great like nobody i grew up with <laughs> had these problems and i'm like oh you get it right because yeah. hashtag jewish problems um yeah, yeah. So I think that was really it. And again, you know, growing up where I grew up, I was in sort of a multicultural bubble and Portland, the Jewish community in Portland, for better or for worse, is quite liberal and quite open in most cases. So I ended up in a Jewish community that was much more, I would say, open than the average Jewish community. So people didn't question me so much. I'm sure people were questioning it or, you know, people did tell me things like, oh, well, you need to convert and things like this. But in general, especially my friends, everyone was just very open and encouraging and um, and just kind of was like, yeah, okay, this is, you want to learn, you want to do this, like, let's do it. And no one me feel bad for not knowing stuff. And that was great. Such a shame that, you know, one can't just define one's own identity and grow into one's own identity. And, you know, as a Jew, we, we have different periods in our life where we are feeling different things about our Jewishness. And the fact that you had to grow up, and I guess you're still facing it, you know, these years with people saying you have to convert or you're not really Jewish or you don't do this yet. Like, talk to me about that. Like, what is going on there? And is it prevalent for you even now um, in your adulthood? As a as a patrilineal Jew, I mean, I hate labels. I'm only I'm only using that for the purposes of, of the podcast and and kind of di- diving in a bit. Sure, and I don't take a f- yeah. I don't. I know that the term patrilineal Jew can be used sort of derogatorily or like with a negative connotation, but for me, it's not negative, right? It's like I'm. Pat- that's just yeah. a fact, right? Yeah, like my dad is it. Jewish. One of the complicated things about being Jewish is it is very personal and it is also about the collective right so when people come to me whenever i am outspoken about you know jewish pluralism or we need to be more open or don't gatekeep jews people always say to me things like well you know halakha or well this is how we keep our people our people and not just everyone else like then what makes it that someone can't just come and say I identify as Jewish, so I'm Jewish, right? I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I wouldn't even say that at least right now, I'm trying to change halakha, right? It's about respect and it's about the fact that our people are so multifaceted and have gone through so much and have been scattered across the world to different places and mixed with different cultures, which I think is the blessing and the curse of the diaspora, right? So we used to be obviously much more tight knit and these tribal people in this one place, which made it very easy to maintain one way of life. But we're not those people anymore and we haven't been for thousands of years. So here we are, we're a global people now. Of course, we are always tied to our homeland, but to deny all of these people who have become 
a part of us as a result of this is terrible. And also it's a disservice to us because part of the richness of the modern Jewish people is our diversity. And so it's like, okay, you just, you want to celebrate that diversity while you're simultaneously keeping people out. We are such a diverse people. I mean, and that's the thing. A lot of even Jews don't realize how diverse we are, never mind non-Jews. I mean, there's 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 such diversity within within Jewishness. And also I'm thinking when you're telling your story, I'm thinking, well, give someone else the right to tell you what your identity is. You know, it's for you to feel who you are and dive into aspects of who you are or go all in. And, you know, and it's just when you said earlier that someone said you need to convert, like, how dare they? I mean, how do you, how, first of all, do you still get comments like that in adulthood? And second of all, how do you deal with it? And what would your advice be to others that may be feeling that getting the same uh, reactions? I definitely get told that I need to convert, especially now that I've become much more outspoken about my stance on don't gatekeep people. And just a note on the gatekeeping. I'm not asking anyone who follows halakha or practices in a certain way to change the way that they practice or the way that they feel Jewish or they accept someone. You don't want to date me because I'm patrilineal. You don't want to marry me because I'm patrilineal. Great. Don't care. Don't do it. But do not tell me to my face or even talk about me behind my back and say that I'm not Jewish. Call me a goy, a shiksa, all of these things. Just don't do it. And don't do it to anyone else, right? If you don't want to recognize someone else as a Jew, I think that's terrible, but keep it to yourself. That's mainly what it is. It's about respect. Um, as far as people telling me to convert, yes. So this became a much bigger struggle once I left Portland and I moved to Israel, partially because in Israel, although majority of the society would identify themselves as secular Jews, meaning they don't really practice Jewish religion, but they are Jewish, they follow a lot of halakha as just societal laws. So in Israel, this became a big issue because even, you know, more modern Jews or newer generations of Jewish Israelis would say to me like, oh, well, I don't care, but like it's the law or that's just the way our people are. They just accept it as the way that it is because they live in a Jewish society that's dictated this way. And then on the other side of that, there's like diaspora Jews who will also tell me I need to convert. And a lot of that comes from this what I say is, I don't know the right word, it's it's not a myth, but like the myth of intermarriage is the, la the largest threat to the Jewish people, right? Like if we keep intermarrying, then Jews will cease to exist, which is just simply not true for many reasons. But, you know, <laughs> being mixed in Jewish doesn't make me less Jewish than someone else. And so Absolutely. that whole idea of being afraid that if you keep mixing you won't, that Judaism will cease to exist is just, it's ridiculous in my opinion, because look at my life, but I digress. I could not agree more with every word you're saying. And it's exciting to to sort of hear this and know that, you know, there's room for everyone and, and, and different identities, different different ways to be Jewish, different ways to live your Jewish life is exciting and 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 fun. And you know, let's 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 absolutely stop with the gatekeeping. Um we need a new hash. I'm sure you've got a hashtag to do with it, but if we don't, we <laughs> Not need <yet>. one. <laughs> so talking of hashtags on Instagram, and obviously that's where we met and I love Instagram and you love Instagram. Talk to me about what you know how having that platform encourages you to be openly and unapologetically Jewish. And obviously 
alongside that goes you know hostility and all all the other all the other bits you know what what's what motivates you to have the platform and talk to me about having the platform sure so the asian israeli which i have since changed my name since i moved out of israel but the asian israeli was born sort of by chance i've always really been enthusiastic about social media from its inception and i have always just been sharing on there and as people started to ask me more and more questions or tell me they really love all these different things that I'm telling them or asking me to talk about different things that I know about it kind of just turned into this you know and the world of influencers so to speak started to kind of grow so people are like why don't you just you know really go for it so um, a really close friend of mine Axel and I won morning were just like let's do it so i changed my name to the asian israeli and i started to really just go for it and i think the reason i love using instagram is because i know that i'm able to reach many many more people than you know i am just at my house right like instagram is an amazing place you know i that's where i've you know we connected and i've connected with so many other people and as much as social media for some people can be seen as a negative thing or an evil i think when used correctly it's just such an amazing tool to amplify everyday voices that maybe wouldn't have been amplified or to find the people you're looking for when you can't find them you know physically around you in the space that you're in and that is just as much as i am putting out to other people part of what has empowered me so much to be unapologetically Jewish and to say to people, you know, very loudly, stop gatekeeping and all of these things is the connection I I receive back from the community, right? It's the messages of people saying, thank you for speaking up or yes, this is exactly what I've been trying to say to people or I feel exactly the same or even having similar stories to me where it's like, yeah, you know, I grew up Jewish, which also is something I stopped saying, but you know, they just, they, this is a much more common story than we like to think. And I think that has a lot to do with being kind of made to feel that it's shameful, maybe that we didn't grow up with all the Jewish things or all the Jewish knowledge or all of these things. So we hide, but now people are kind of saying, oh, I don't need to hide that part of me. And many more people are having a similar Jewish story of, you know, not so much connection and not so much activity or the average Jewish upbringing or life that feel very Jewish and want to be very Jewish and want to do more Jewish things, but they're afraid. And so that is really what I love about what I do is that I can help those people do what I did independently. I love that. Um, I wanna ask you so many questions on that topic, but we're just gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back, continuing where we left off. Just wanna take a moment to invite you over to my place. That's my Jewish community, Smashing Life, a place for everyone, Jewish or Jewish, to feel welcome. It's a non-judgmental Jewish community that nourishes and empowers you and gives you everything you need to feel Jewish at heart and supercharged in life, hosted by me, Karen Cinnamon. I'm going to hand over to one of our members, Jeanette, uh, so you can hear what she has to say about Smashing Life. I love all the perks of being in Smashing Life, from the masterclasses to the resources to the discounts 
to the opportunity to crowdsource in the Facebook group. It all provides so many great benefits. We also have forums, recipes, book clubs, craft clubs, modern Jewish life experts, Zoom Kabbalah Shabbats, monthly expert masterclasses, social events, online and real life, discounts, gifts, and I could go on and on. It really is the place for every Jewish woman. It is super inclusive, super warm, um, and I invite you to come and join us and connect with me and hundreds of other like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. You'll find a beautiful community local to you, and you'll also create new Jewish friends all over the world to share Jewish culture and joy with and learn Jewish rituals that will fill your life with purpose. So head on over to smashinglife.club and come join us. So you've mentioned a couple of times, um, Amy, about viewing yourself in the past as half Jewish, half Chinese or Jewish, and now you see yourself as Jewish. Um, talk to me about that that journey from viewing yourself as Jewish to Jewish. Sure, I think it's Jewish, and no, you know, no shame to anyone who still likes to identify as Jewish. But this term is often used to define for people to define themselves in a way where it's like, yeah, you have Jewish roots, but you don't do Jewish things, so you don't feel right to claim that title of a Jewish person, maybe. And I saw myself using these terms in a way that diminished myself from what I really felt, right? So like, I'm Jewish. That's it. Full stop. Like Jewish with a capital J is what I like to say. So I'm Jewish with a capital J, but I kept telling people because I was afraid of their perception of me to be, she's not Jewish really, or she's not Jewish enough, or, oh, she's just Jewish, right? And so I was defining myself how I thought that other people were perceiving me. Interesting. And I decided, why am I doing that? I think these labels are very personal and, and, and I can only speak about how I view it. And, I, and it's interesting to have the two perspectives. So I see you as Jewish end of, like there's no 99.9% mind, 100% Jewish to me. <laughs> But we use the word, well, you know, my background is, is running Smashing the Glass, the, the Jewish wedding platform. Yeah. And we started using the word Jewish within that platform when we saw a lot of beautiful interfaith Jewish weddings where one partner was Jewish and one wasn't. And we called it a Jewish wedding. And we saw it as a sort of very inclusive term so that the partner is Jewish, like they feel Jewish, they may raise their kids with some Jewish traditions, but they're not Jewish. So it and and, and to me, you know, when I see that word Jewish, I think of it as an inclusive term um, and expressing inclusivity because of my maybe associations with gatekeeping around Jewishness. And I want to say, look, we can still have, you know, non-Jewish come in as Jewish. And, and it's just interesting the way, you know, what you said is a completely different, you know, from your lived experiences is a, is, is a different definition. And um, I, 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 would, I, I would love to see more inclusivity within Jewish identity. And I wonder what the best way to phrase that is, if you know what I mean. Am I making sense? <laughs> Yeah, no, sure. And I definitely, again, it's like, I personally have, you know, I've gone through this evolution of my own personal identity to the point where I don't like using that term because of the way I was using it. I saw myself using it in a negative way, right? It was me diminishing myself from what I felt. But if Jewish, like you said, it can also be used as this inclusive term. Um, 
you know, I've started doing work with Jew Belong and they really like the term Jewish. And a lot of their audience are these people who feel what they self-identify as Jewish and that makes them feel comfortable and it brings them in. And so there, I think it's great. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, outright negative. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just these kinds of things where you have to kind of, I think it's very important with anything, with anything Jewish especially, but like all kinds of things in your life, you have to just kind of look at how or why something is or you're using it. It's just about, I think, looking at it and just examining kind of like why you do anything. And it can go the other way, right? It can also be, I in college decided to start keeping kosher for a very short period of time because I was exploring more different Jewish traditions and Jewish practices. And at some point when I went to eat with my Chinese family where we are eating a lot of treif, I found myself feeling really bad and feeling like I was alienating a whole part of me. And I decided this does not make me feel more Jewish and it does not make me feel closer to God. It does not make me feel better about anything. It makes me feel shame because I'm half Chinese and a huge part of me is Chinese food and I couldn't eat all these things that I have been eating my whole life with my family. And they also were like, what? We don't get it. And I couldn't explain to them because I was like, yeah, I don't get it either. It doesn't make <laughs> it's. I just should be able to be who I am. I love that. Yeah, that sort of self-examination and, you know, what's working for you? You know, it's almost, you know, I wanted to ask you um, about, you know, what what does your Jewish life, your way mean to you? And I think you've almost sort of touched on it there that it's, you know, what sparks Jewish joy, what sparks meaning and ignites you and, you know, makes you feel more connected to your identity. And, you know, you tried something and it didn't. So it doesn't mean, well, I'm Jewish. I have to keep kosher. I'll do it at any cost. I'm not, you know, and I love that. And I think what we're trying to say here is you do you, but examine it, you know, if something doesn't feel right, if something does feel right and not to feel judged, you know, let's talk about shame earlier. Like let's drop the shame of, you know, what other people think and let's start living our lives and I know that's what I love about you, Amy. You are unapologetic. You're not, we don't have to prove ourselves to anybody. And and this is a key, you know, people want to say like, is this, this is a key Jewish idea. Blind faith is not a thing in Judaism. You are taught to, you know, from foundational Judaism, we're taught to question things, right? To examine everything. And once you come to what your conclusion is, which there are differing conclusions, even in the canon, that's exactly it. It's that we we should examine everything and do everything because it feels genuine to us. And on that note, what advice would you give to someone who maybe wants to start being more publicly Jewish on social media or in their life or their friends, but sort of, you know, we grew up with this sort of feeling of having to hide our Jewishness. And I know Ben Freeman talks about sort of the shame, you know, we have to shed that shame. And it's really interesting, you know, what he has to say on it. But have you got any tips for, for maybe someone listening that wants to be more unapologetic and maybe doesn't quite know how? Sure. I think one thing that I, I get messages a lot that say, I wish I could be like you. You're so loud and unapologetic. And my response is always, you don't need to be like me unless you want to, unless you feel compelled to, right? So I am very loud in all kinds of ways, in all areas of my life. Social media is especially one of them. But start small because it, it can be scary. And I understand that a huge part other than maybe shame is fear that people have about 
talking about being Jewish publicly. But first is, you know, kind of the way I kind of learned this actually from a lot of body positivity practices, which are like affirmations and really internalizing the thought that I am Jewish. I am proud to be Jewish. This is who I am. And why should I be hiding that? from anyone. And also looking at the other parts of me that I don't hide. So why should I hide this part? And so it's it's really about starting small. So it can start with, you know, you went to Shabbat dinner on Friday night and then you go to class on Monday and someone says, oh, what did you do this weekend? Your instinct might be to say, oh, I had dinner with my friends and not mention Shabbat dinner. But you can just say, oh, I went to Shabbat dinner. And that person will probably just say, because more often than not, you know, we're really scared and anti-Semitism is a real threat and I'm not diminishing that, but we're always really scared. We're going to get some really negative thing, but probably someone will either say, oh, Shabbat, that's like a Jewish thing. I didn't know you're Jewish. Or they'll say, Shabbat, what's that? And then you'll explain to them, Shabbat is a Jewish thing. It's this dinner we do on Friday nights, blah, 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 blah. blah. And you'll tell them and they'll say, that's really cool. And eventually they'll probably want to be invited to a Shabbat dinner, in which case they'll get even more Jewish exposure. But what I'm saying is start small, you know, oh, I went to Shabbat or now it's the holiday season. um, So people a lot of times are telling me, you know, Merry Christmas. And it's not rude to say, oh, thank you. I actually I'm Jewish. I celebrate Hanukkah or I'm Jewish. I don't celebrate Christmas because right Hanukkah and Christmas are not even related. And it's those little things that you just it feels very empowering and it, and and those little things can build up to bigger things and you know maybe one day you're going to be doing what i'm doing and that's great because we can always use more voices oh amy i just love everything you've just said and yeah little by little and it's so powerful because not a, it's it's almost a release isn't it that you can just talk about it and actually you'd be surprised at how positive the reaction is and people most people love it and they want to hear more and it, it just, you, you know, small steps and you don't know where it will take you. In terms of anti-Semitism, um, obviously we just keep, it just keeps rising and rising, unfortunately, mm-hmm. as we speak, uh, coming into 2022. Um, has it changed your message on social media, the rise of anti-Semitism, or is it interconnected or, or nothing to do with the anti-Semitism, this unapologetically Jewish element? Um, how has it impacted to what you do? It definitely has impacted what I do. So one big thing that I like to talk about is that we should be proudly, unapologetically Jewish from a place that's rooted in positivity, not a place that's rooted in reaction to anti-Semitism or anti-Zionism, which is anti-Semitism, um, hatred for Israel. So a lot of times what happens is that in the face of threats like anti-Semitism or, you know, in May there was an escalation in Gaza and we started seeing way more anti-Israel propaganda um, popping up and things like this, people became more vocal, which is great. I'm not saying don't be vocal, but a lot of the times what happens is that Jews will become very vocal about being Jewish or calling out anti-Semitism and calling out, um, you know, defending Israel. And so two things happen. One, we start to feel our Jewishness as this burden, right? This thing that is just negative. People want, why do people hate us for it? Like, and, and it feels like something, it becomes negative for us because it becomes exhausting because all we're doing is reacting to anti-Semitism. And the other thing that happens is the outside world only sees Jews 
visibly in a negative context. Because even though you're telling them something positive about being Jewish and you're saying anti-Semitism is bad, they're looking into, well, why are they saying this? Oh, because anti-Semitism. And because they don't really have a lot of context for who Jews actually are, maybe they probably don't even know any Jews or they don't know that they know any Jews. It just makes them ask these questions in their head like, well, why is there so much anti-Semitism and Jews are only talking, you know, Jews are always just defending themselves. So when we start to normalize ourselves, like in the case of, oh, I went to Shabbat dinner and it's just like this really everyday part because it is so everyday for us. You're just being a Jewish person all the time. And so I think it's I've really kind of switched for myself and what I like to try to encourage people, which is to base your Judaism and your active, you know, outward voice about being Jewish in a place of positivity versus solely in reaction. Because obviously I'm not saying don't react to anti-Semitism. I'm not saying don't call out anti-Semitism, but it shouldn't be your basis and you shouldn't only talk about your Jewishness when there's anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I'd love to ask you how you yourself stay, stay strong in the face of so much hostility towards Zionist activities, because I think that seems to sort of blow up on social media. And uh, how do you yourself stay, stay strong? Oh, yeah, um, it's <laughs> definitely that has also been a huge journey. Um, in the beginning, obviously, look, it's a very emotionally charged thing. And we often feel really stuck because the amount of you know, anti-Israel information and activity and all of these things out there is so big and we feel so small. So it's hard sometimes to feel, um, to not get really like emotional or not get really defeated about it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But there's a couple things. So first of all, when it comes to the online arena, yes, it can be legitimately dangerous. And yes, people can, you know, send death threats or these kinds of things. But at the end of the day, like really, it's just online and they're hiding behind their keyboard. So I always try to keep that in mind when people are hating on me or, you know, talking about these things. The other thing is I stopped debating with people who staunchly disagree with me. There's a few tenants I have that I will not engage in a, I guess I'll call it an argument, but even just a conversation with someone. If you don't believe Israel has the right to exist, I have no reason to engage in conversation with you because what are we debating? I'm debating about Israel. I'm trying to teach people about Israel. But if you don't think Israel has the right to exist or that it doesn't exist, that's a non-conversation. So you have your boundaries is what you're saying. Exactly. You have to create these boundaries and also realize where your energy is worth being spent. Your energy is not worth being spent to try to talk to people who just flat out hate Jews or hate Israel or these kinds of things. They're not going to be convinced and that's fine. It's the other people that you want to talk to, the people who hear stuff and maybe they don't know a lot, so they have a question. And that's when you can talk to them. The other thing is I always like to be very upfront with people that I do come with my own biases on the issue. And I think that makes them, one, It's I think it's just honest. And two, I think it makes them feel more comfortable to accept what I'm saying because I'm being honest with them. You know, you can tell someone the truth till you're blue in the face, but if they don't trust you, they're not going to listen. And if they don't want to learn, they're not going to listen. And if they don't want to listen, they're not going to (laughs) listen. Exactly. And I really stopped talking to people who don't want to listen. And it's pretty easy to tell, you know, they result to personal insults or they just have very um, flat out anti-Israel 
arguments and yeah. and i just say like you know we feel a lot of times like if we don't get the last word then we lost the argument that's not true that person looks crazy just by saying that crazy thing that they said that's so hateful and untrue and is a lie and you have no reason to waste your energy on them what happens a lot on my feed on these topics because whereas you're an educator on my feed at your jewish life i like to prompts start prompts and get people mm-hmm. talking and create conversation and sometimes I just see these these two sides arguing and you know big paragraph comments you mm-hmm. know chunky chunky comments going on and on and I just think it's not I'm thinking what you're thinking like don't even spend the energy it's not you know and sometimes I don't delete the conversations unless they are harmful mm-hmm. or hateful but mm-hmm. sometimes I just think oh goodness is this what I wanted to start here no <laughs> But on the other hand, it's healthy for people to, to, to talk, to have these debates, to provide the platform as long as it's not hateful or harmful. Yeah. And one thing I would just say to people is, yes, it is very important to learn the facts and the history and all these things. But when it comes to debating people online, there's always a he said, she said, like you said, someone's in those comment sections. People are probably listing like the entire history in quotation marks, the entire history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And each of them will say, no, you're wrong, and then give their own history. And what is this doing? Nothing. The point is to look at what the person is saying and think about what you're trying to say. And for me, it's always coming back to how are we going to move forward to have a peaceful situation for Israelis and Palestinians? And so I always just try to weed out that part and focus on that part. If someone just wants to be hateful, I'm going to just say, okay, well, it looks like you're not really interested in peace for anyone. So I think we're done here. (laughs) (laughs) Now tell me, um, I haven't had time. I can't believe how the time's passed. I haven't had time to delve into your Asian side and, and, you know, that whole side of things, which I wanted to, but I will just ask you something that's important to me. Sure. Listeners, which is what can Jewish communities do to be more welcoming to Asian Mm. Jews or Jews of color? generally sure i think one of the number one things is just treat us like everyone else like the number of jews of color i know who have been asked in synagogues or jewish environments like to help clean up something or like why are you here or these kinds of things even asking i know a lot of people will say well i'm just curious and that's why they ask you like oh, like, who are you and where are you from and all this kind of thing. I understand that you're curious, but you have to understand the, f- the effect that that has on someone who is always being questioned. I know that you want to know about my Jewish story, but maybe wait till you know me and I volunteer that information. And one way to help me volunteer that information is to share about yourself first, because then I know it's an exchange of our Jewish stories, because I I understand I'm I'm Jewish and I love to hear people's Jewish stories just as much. But you have to understand that Jews of color get asked their quote unquote Jewish story a lot of times in a way that is just about deciding if we belong. Don't be so surprised when you see Jewish people that look different than you in Jewish places because it's 2021, it will be 2022 in a minute. And the Jews have been scattered all over the world for thousands of years. So I don't know, get on board. Like, this is who we are. We're diverse people. It's not, I don't even know why people are surprised to see Jews of color in Jewish spaces. It doesn't make sense to me. 
Absolutely. And I think just listening to you, I'm going to be putting out more content this year about the diversity of Jews. And, you know, I put some out, but I want to put way more out because it's obvious, you know, part of what I do is a platform to educate. And Mm -hmm. that is so I, when you were speaking, I was just thinking about goodness, yes, you know, when we see Jews of color, say in a synagogue, we're immediately thinking, what, how, what, you know, and let's try to stop that. (laughs) And, you know, I love what you say about making it an exchange. And, and it's not just about feeding one's own curiosity. It's about centering the feelings of that person and, and, and thinking before you speak about what would, what, what makes for a comfortable conversation. I'm going to end with a bit of a fun question um, that I'd love to hear your answer to, which is if you could have Friday night dinner with any three Jewish people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, dear. Okay, so this is a really hard question because like three people is certainly not enough. But I suppose to start, I would have to say Tiffany Haddish. I love her and I just think that she would bring so much fun to this dinner. I would say Menachem Begin because he's one of my biggest Zionist heroes, even with some of his questionable <laughs> views. And a third, because this this is very hard because it's like the last one, but I would say my great grandma, my great grandma Edith. And I think yeah. that would just be a really great dinner. And obviously she would cook the food because she makes the best stuff. It sounds like a dinner that I'd love to be invited to as well. <laughs> some great people and just I must just circle back to when you spoke at the beginning about your grandma and, and your her big Jewish influence is she still a big role model for you uh, now in adulthood um I think it's really interesting because as I've gotten more into my Jewishness we've been able to have a lot more conversations and I've just been learning so much more about her childhood and her family and these kinds of things that before I maybe didn't have the right context too. So it is really nice. Well, Amy, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. I cannot wait to have you back on the podcast. So much more we still to talk about, but for today, thank you very much. Thank you so much.